1: Jen. And I'm Katie. This is Either
0: Side Eaters. We are friends who talk food, whether it's across the table or across the
1: Atlantic Ocean. And we'll chat about questions like, why does mango flesh feel hairy? They obviously don't care about beauty standards. (laughs) Coming up in this episode, we'll talk about mangoes with chili. We'll also chat with the fabulous British pastry chef, Ravneet Gill, who is not afraid to get elbows deep and some good mango hmm. So Katie, I recently received this amazing delicious package from Tuk Tuk Box. It's uh, of some friends of ours. It's a Southeast Asian snack company. So all of my Southeast Asian favorites oh. come in this beautiful package. How cool. And what I love about it is the amount of mango treats in there from like mango drinks, mango candies, mango cookies and pastries, all that good stuff. Yes. And uh, so Leo and I both equally love and are obsessed with mango anything. And I did him wrong by finishing all of the mango treats. And Jen. I have to say, he's, he, he doesn't know it. But <laughs> if he's listening to this now, babe, you're lost. <laughs> uh, but speaking of mango, let's hear a question from one of you. Hi, this is Vero. Uh, What's your go-to method of opening and eating mango? Do you slice it off both sides to cut a grid or do you slide it off the peels?
0: Hi there! Thanks so much for calling in and for your question. I love this question. I mean, the first thing that I think about is um, this mango hack that I learned and that I then did a video on very, very early in my YouTube channel. And actually it's like the video that kind of propelled my youtube career because the today show had me on to show this mango hack okay right so what is the mango hack? basically you prop the mango up vertically facing and then cut along where you think the seed would be in the middle right cut along there so you have the two Mm -hmm. thick sides then take a glass just like a drinking glass It should be a pretty thin drinking glass though. The glass shouldn't be super, super thick, but you take the glass and then you take the mango half in the other hand and you slide it against this drinking glass and it takes the flesh out, bada bing,
1: bada boom. Clean and Clean. easy. I remember Clean. seeing that years ago and thinking, Kitty, you're a genius. Because <laughs> it holds all of that syrupy goodness exactly. inside of a glass. You
0: don't lose any of the juice either, which is which is key. I will say that it does not offer a way to get that that delicious flesh that's on the other sides of the seed right the the shorter bits Mm. so if you just do that and throw the rest away that's no good because there's still some mango flesh that needs to be eaten so um it's a it's a halfway it's a halfway win um Ah. jen what's your go-to
1: way um my go-to way has changed so recently i saw a tiktok of this dude cutting so you'll take the mango versus cutting it vertically along either side of the pit you lay it horizontally okay and you cut across the equator (gasps) of the mango like right in the center right in the center Uh, all the way around uh uh-huh and then you put the knife down you don't need the knife anymore this is a messy process okay disclaimer okay okay (laughs) but you take the mango then your hands and you twist the left side and the right side in opposite directions. Oh. And it kind of loosens the meat, the flesh around the pit. Um, and then you pull it apart. And so one end will have the pit still in it, and the other end is kind of with that divot. And then you can just use a spoon and scoop it out. And then just keep sucking on, you know, you could. <laughs> it's. Uh, keep sucking. <laughs> Uh, it is quite entertaining to watch, and uh, when you watch him do this, you kind of feel things because oh. the way he's going at it, you're like, "Oh, he's just trying to show you a practical way to eat it." Uh, but it, it makes you feel things, and I love it.
0: I need to see this TikTok. That sounds that sounds excellent.
1: Sending it to you. <laughs> So, Katie, I know there's something, a video you've been wanting to talk about uh, for the last couple of years. It's a video posted a while ago documenting your first encounter with mango con chile, chile mango. And it caused a very strong response. So, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like you to backtrack and take us through what happened there.
0: Uh, so, yeah, let's rewind. It was a video um, in which I... Showed, talked about eating mangoes with chamoy, which is a typical Mexican hot sauce. Um, it was a combination that I got from a vendor at a trip to Coney Island, and I had never had this combination before in my life. I'm from Ohio. This, I was like, whoa, <laughs> hot sauce and mangoes. That was like, it blew my mind. Uh, and it was so delicious. And I was like, I want to share this. I want to share this thing that I just discovered quote unquote, discovered. I'm using finger quotes. <laughs> um, anyone who knows me and my brand knows that my slogan is keep it quirky. You know, I think of quirky as a good thing. This can be and was misconstrued. And I really offended a community of people largely the Latin diaspora people who live in Mexico are Mexican Americans um, and got a lot of hate was cancel
1: culture even a thing then or I mean yes and no we it, the term itself wasn't as generally used as it is now so but yeah it was it was sprinkled
0: okay it was sprinkled well <laughs> I was definitely um I tread so lightly when talking about this because I'm not like, Oh, I was the victim because no, I mean, I offended people. And for that, I feel, I felt bad about it. I feel bad about it, but I did learn from it. Um, and, and that's the real, (laughs) I think that's the real story.
1: So what did you learn about how the reaction from people, why they were so upset?
0: Um, well, I think that this could be wrapped up fairly well by the, the hashtag that was used <laughs> in a lot of um, the comments, which was hashtag Columbusing. So um, they felt that I was taking a dish from their culture and stealing it, appropriating it, and calling it mine, <laughs> and being like, there's this thing. And like it's my, it's mine. I, that you discovered. That I discovered. I made the rounds on um, these kind of discussion boards or comment boards among these these groups of people who feel very victimized by the majority white culture that has oppressed them, has and does and is oppressing them, and they. It was such a reminder that if I don't do my due diligence to make them known, like if I don't do my research and put that research up front, my intentions actually don't matter because what matters is the way my work makes
1: people feel. Right. The upsetting thing that bothers me sometimes is when I hear a white person say, oh, this is very ethnic. Or this is, you know, I've discovered this ethnic spot. And so the combination of those kind of words um, to someone who's not white or is representative of that culture's cuisine or whatever it is, can be hurtful because it's like, oh, is that a shorthand, right? Uh, The words like discovering or uh, ethnic or authenticities are those shorthands that don't allow a person to then further investigate, to further understand that thing, that they're labeling exotic or different or in, in the case of your video quirky right because mm-hmm. you although like you're saying although your intentions are there like you're excited you want to embrace this and once you've learned it you want to share it it's still um kind of glazes over yeah it's it's very surface level and an example of
0: that is that in that video i called it mangoes and hot sauce and i didn't even specify chamoy which is what is used but i was just like spicy red condiment (laughs) hot sauce so so i you know yeah i
1: i yeah have have you had uh mango with with chamoy since no
0: (laughs) i think i have a little ptsd from it
1: no but i i i'm kidding (laughs) but you you have learned about it and you've you've also learned that like fruits and savory things like chili salt right oh. those things often go together um but you know going back to cancel culture so yes. so i have an issue with cancel culture in that it perpetuates this idea that the best and basically only solution for change uh can come only from judging someone or shaming them into becoming aware of their behaviors right Their damaging or hurtful behaviors And yeah, that can spark change, right? Sometimes, but how real is that change? Instead of you going away and saying, I'm not gonna do food videos anymore, you continued. But you continue to do so in a way that you did your due diligence, you continue to. Even the videos you do up up until now, I constantly see you doing your absolute best. You really try to go, over and above to make sure that you reach out to people of these communities of a dish that you're, you've just learned about or want to share or you're excited about. Um, and so you, you greatly represent um, or allow representation to show in your videos. And uh, I notice you don't use the word discover no. <laughs> anymore. And, and I think that's a great thing. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing. This main topic will be a little longer yeah but i sorry. think necessary yeah yeah
0: yeah. we just gotta work <laughs> but some stuff necessary out. we gotta
1: work some stuff out here guys <laughs> no. this is therapy now yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do notice that when filipinos notice a lot of filipinos notice uh one of their dishes or something that's related to something that's in the Philippines, they get really excited mm-hmm. and commented about it. My mother is one of them. She's just like, ooh, my mom loves, she types all caps, like, yes. this is great. I had this in the Philippines. <laughs> that's <laughs> and so great. It's, it's because, and I think it's because for so long, Filipino representation has been lacking, right? And it's only recently, it's starting to to surface a bit. Um, as people get more curious about Filipino cuisine. And so whenever someone who's not from uh, the Filipino descent, they get super excited. Even in in my videos, whenever I share a Filipino dish or say anything in Tagalog, there's just like a huge surge of comments. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Go share it. So I get it. (laughs) Spending time learning history, right? In our case, food history can really help us become more familiar with cultures that we don't don't know a lot about, right? And on that note, let's talk about mango con chile. Yes, yes. (laughs) So this kind of, let's start kind of with the migration of mango, right? So mango's origin dates back to about five to 4,000 years ago in South Asia, Southeast Asia, and about 200 years ago, that's when it made its trip. Across the globe, um, so the seedlings from the man- Manila mango, Manila in the Philippines, uh, was brought over to Alcapulco, uh via the the galleon trade, right? And that connected Asia, America, and Europe on a single commercial route for the first time ever. Wow! And that's when you get like the crossover of goods from um, China into the Philippines, over to um, Europe and Mexico, and vice versa. So that's how Asia got chili peppers, right? And and Central and South America got mangoes. Wow. Okay, so that's why it's super common in these countries that grow not now grow both mangoes and chilies to pair those flavors together. Uh, so, flash forward to today, you have fruit vendors, fruteros. Okay, that's one that you approached yeah. in the video, um, and they're you're usually equipped with savory, sour, salty seasonings. So condiments, sal chile, limon, salt, chili, lemon, um, lime, sorry. So depending on the vendor or the region, um, the chili can on the mango can come in different forms. Either it's powdered, flaked uh, in a sauce, right? And so the one you, if I remember correctly, the one you tried was on a stick mm-hmm. cut with uh, petals, like a yeah, flower. Yeah, it looked like a flower, a yeah. Beautiful mango flower. Uh, so another really popular snack with that combination is called chamoyada, or mango I don't know if you've ever had that. It's like um, I call it a snacky drink because there's so many different elements in it. So it us- it typically combines like a mango sorbet with fresh mango chunks and swirls of chamoy. That sauce and chamoy is typically made up of uh, pickled fruits like prunes or apricots, also from Asia. Some sugar, salt, lime, chili. It's so again like Mexican tamarind candies, like mouth puckering. And then through all of that, there's a straw that's wrapped with like this tamarind, also from China, this like tamarind paste candy. So imagine like that, that Mexican candy, but just like elongated, flattened and wrapped around a a straw. Um, It's, it's so fun to like chew on it and then slurp, delicious. And then it's garnished with something called tahin. I don't know if you heard of tajin before. I've heard of it. I don't think I've had it. It's like the
0: flakes, right? It's kind of like the powder.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a powdered seasoning. It combines different types of dried chilies, dehydrated lime. So that's where that sour comes in um, and salt. And it is one of my pantry (gasps) staples. I have a bottle that's like the size of my arm. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that
0: sounds like an addicting combination. That's the kind of thing where like, you just put that on like popcorn and it
1: you just can't stop yes. eating it. I put it on popcorn, on corn. Like we'll get into the different ways to oh, use yeah, it, but okay. it's <gasps> popcorn is delicious. Oh my gosh. Um, and it makes sense that tahini and, and fruit, or like chili, fruit, salt, all these flavors kind of make sense together because if you think about it, uh, acidity. Saltiness, spiciness that enhances sweetness, right? Mm. It doesn't overpower; it just kind of balances everything out, and it's such a fun ride in your mouth. Yes, <laughs> oh, she said, uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, I go, and so they're going back to the other countries that have this combination. So, so in Southeast Asia, it's, it's typical to have like sour, green, almost like unripened and also ripened mango with a salty chili paste mm. and sometimes it has like fermented things like shrimp or fish paste in it like i i grew up eating it that's how i grew up eating mango my first introduction to mango was with bagoong which is a filipino um sautéed fish uh, shrimp paste spicy salty uh, and and in India they have mango chutney right so that's like mm-hmm. it's pickly it's salty it's sour it's spicy um, and I just I just love the different like seeing fruit I love fruit when it's not just in a dessert or as like a little snack but in combination <laughs> Today's guest is Rav Neat, or Rav Gill, the author of The Pastry Chef's Guide, co host of Junior Bake Off, founder of Counter Talk, and baking columnist in The Guardian and The Telegraph. She was also recently featured on The New York Times for having the best chocolate chip cookie recipe. (laughs) All right, so we wanna start this off with some quick fire questions. Are you ready? I think so, I'm quite nervous. (laughs) Okay.
0: You should be, no, just kidding.
1: (laughs) Uh, So you can only choose one of these. Pie or cake? Cake. Chocolate or caramel? Chocolate. And last one. Now this can apply either to baking or your life in general, take it however you want. Low and slow or hot and fast? Hot and fast. (laughs) I like it.
0: So, Rev, we're we're so excited to have you on for this episode. And, you know, one of the first things I think about when I think about you is all of the knowledge that you have dropped on me, uh, not only with everything you do and put out into the world, but also with your incredible book, The Pastry Chef's Guide. And I remember... In the introduction, you, you had a little anecdote about mangoes. And when you went to work at St. John's, which, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the most famous and well-respected restaurants in all of London, uh, can, you, can you tell us about that mango St. John's moment?
2: I think it was my naivety of not really understanding St. John as a place, because if you know it, it's like British cuisine. Everything is seasonal. It's nose to tail. There's no faff. And I went in sort of like, oh, I want to make fine patisserie. And I remember saying, well, why can't we do a mango this? And someone turned around and said, well, there's a British restaurant. We can't use mangoes. Whereas I'd grown up thinking mangoes were like around all the time because we always have tins of mango pulp in the cupboard we always have mango you know whenever we can i know in summer my mum would buy boxes but i just didn't really think of it as a difficult thing to get hold of and the restaurant i'd been working at before was a lot of filipino chefs and we'd have mangoes the best mangoes well and so what was
0: their what was their reasoning for for telling you like no mangoes
2: because it was they're not british so we can't have them. And then I used to say, well, chocolate's not necessarily British. <laughs> oh,
1: good no. one. Oh, clap back.
2: I like that. Clap yeah. back. These pistachios are not British. But no, um, they were like, it's, it's not it's not seasonal. It's not seasonal. We can't do it. Because
1: it's like not British and not traditionally French. Yeah. like those aren't the traditional flavors yeah. to pull together.
2: So yeah.
1: when did you start incorporating mangoes?
2: I mean, I always have, I think just loved using mangoes in everything. And I actually, really funnily enough, I've been I'm writing another book at the moment. And one of the yeah. anecdotes I talk about, is the fact that during the writing of this book, everything I say to my mom, like, oh, how can I change this or how can I do this? Her first suggestion is always mango. And I keep huh. saying, mom, you can't keep telling me to make everything mango flavored because <laughs> then the book is just gonna be hundred ways to use a mango. So my family are <laughs> mango obsessed. <laughs>
1: I I relate to that. My family's the same way. So my dad's Thai my mom's Filipino. So it's mango central. And the moment you said boxes of mango, I know what that's like. We don't just buy one, not two. We buy them by the box. Yeah. With that like like, weird confetti in there. Yes, exactly. It's like a gift. My mom would package those as gifts for people. And people are like, why are you giving me fruit? I'm like, it's fruit. It's the best gift. Take it. (laughs) I want to talk about your mango souffle. Ooh, I've yes. been drilling over that. I think I've watched you make it like 10 times because I've never made a souffle ever. I'm not you much should. of a baker. Yeah, you made it look so easy. And the fact that you use mango, that was it for me. I said, that's it. This is the one I'm gonna try. So wish me luck on that. Uh, how did you come up with that recipe? Is that cause your mom was in your ear saying make mango souffle?
2: It was because I had a tin of mango pulp in the fridge open. So I used it. And then I also had fresh mangoes because it was mango season. So I tried it with both. And I found that the consistency, by the way, that you get with mango pulp is incredible. And the flavor, I think people don't talk about it enough. Um, I think some people turn their nose up to mango pulp in a tin, but it's fantastic. And actually, the results with both were so good that I was like, got to get this recipe out there. And who who doesn't like a fruit-based souffle? Because often if you have a souffle that's custard-based, it can taste quite like heavy on the egg side. And a lot of people don't like that. I don't like that. So going for a fruit base, especially with mango, is so much nicer. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. And, and so when it comes to
1: baking things like souffle like you I saw that you turned it into a puree is that something you suggest whenever adding mango to a dessert like for me I think oh I'm just going to blitz it up pop it in but is there like a proper way is it what do you what do you think about that
2: I think it really depends on the type of mango because sometimes you can get mangoes that are really fibrous inside. So if I if my mango was like almost like hairy, I say like hairy. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yes.
2: <laughs> then I would always blend it down and then pass it through a sieve. But if it's not and it's a lot smoother, then yeah, I always puree my mango pulp if it's being incorporated into something or if it's like going through tapioca, which I love making mango, Mm. then I dice it up and I fold it through at the end.
1: Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: And is there a particular type or your favorite type of
2: mango that you prefer to use?
1: Or does it just matter what's in season?
2: Yeah, I think it depends on what's in season. I love the little, the tiny queso ones that you get, that you squeeze and then you suck all the juice out of them. I love those. But I'm also a massive fan of Filipino mangoes because I used to get spoilt in the restaurant I used to work in. We'd get them in every day and I just know how good they were. So they're hard to get hold of and I love them. They're so delicious. Katie, have you had them? No, I haven't. It-
1: how, can I, how can I get my hands on these? <laughs> a trip to the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for real. <laughs> and your family's super into mangoes and just side note here, as much as I love your creations and watching you make them, you're a granny, just. <laughs> just- Deals my heart every time. Katie and I were just like professing our love of her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we were before, before you joined, we were like, oh
2: my God, did you see grandma today?
1: (laughs) So thank you for sharing her constantly because she is a gift to the world.
2: I'm so glad. And it's really funny that you say that because I grew up feeling so shy and embarrassed of that side of my life because it's like, you just kind of want to hide it, you know, when you're growing up and you think it's different and it's embarrassing. And then almost in the last couple of years, I just started sharing her sort of like freely as a joke. And then it turned into all these random people now coming up to you saying, how's your grandma? And in a way, it just feels like, it just feels amazing to think that I used to feel so embarrassed and now random people love her and embrace her. It's incredible. And is she a big mango pusher like your mom? she loves a mango and i've got so many images in my mind of her standing over the sink with the seed just like (laughs) going for it
1: (laughs) that needs to be an upcoming clip
2: (laughs) you can't throw a bit of the skin away that's got mango on it because she will get that and then like you know
1: (laughs) oh i'm the same I'm the same. I will yeah. go at it until my arms are covered yeah. in juice. All the way down to the elbows, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't waste a bit. Is there like a particular way you and your family like to cut open a mango? I know like each person has their own favorite way to go. Or DJ, guys, just, just go for it.
2: So if it's the little squeezy ones, and we sit there and squeeze them and then get all the pulp out and then eat, eat it from by cutting it. But I always, because as a chef, I've had to learn how to cut them in the most cost-effective way. So I always would put the mango sort of up facing, knowing that the stone was in the middle and I'd cut the big halves off around the stone and then go on the other sides. And then I would take the stones for myself on my break. And then <laughs> I would sort of like cut lines through the mango to push it out.
1: Yep.
0: That's and that. like 100%. how many mangoes did you go through in like a given uh, shift at the restaurant?
2: Well, at this restaurant, it was it was so upscale that we would like mangoes were in abundance. There was never an issue with cost or anything, and we'd always decorate the fruit, the the, the extravagant plates. They were filled with ice. Some people might know which restaurant I'm talking about, and it'd always be garnished with loads of fruit. So we'd go through I, I'd say like fifty a day, which is quite a lot of mango.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of stones to yeah. snack on. That's yeah. <laughs> your whole
1: lunch for the week, <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah. And and aside from like baking in desserts or just eating them straight up, are there any other flavor combinations that you would have with mango? Like for me growing up, I had, a, in, in for my dad's Thai background, we did a lot of chili paste. Filipino, we did a lot of fermented shrimp paste with the ri- with the unripe mangoes, right? The green ones. Mm-hmm. And then the ripe ones we always had with some sort of coconut. So every time I think of mango, I think of coconut. Do you ever have that association?
2: I love mango and coconut. I mean, in my house, my mum and my grandma will sometimes do red, red chili over the mango with a bit of lime and eat it like that. But I'm a purist. I do really just love straight up mango, but we always go mango and passion fruit a lot in the house. Um, and we, we, we turn it into a drink, you know, mango lassi, which a lot of mm. us have. Blend it with oh, some yeah. milk and ice, a bit of ice cream, a bit naughty. Yeah, Ugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> The cheeky dollop of ice cream in yeah. there.
1: <laughs> and do you, do you often find yourselves, yourself thinking about how you can use, like you're saying, for, when you're making the souffle versus a, a custard based souffle or a fruit base? Do you tend to lean towards trying to figure out how to incorporate more of, of those fruits, or do you like more uh, traditional French flavors?
2: Well, I think I definitely learned a lot from my time at St. John, which was all about seasonality and really appreciating what you've got to hand. And I think that makes a massive difference with being in touch with what you have. So I do try and keep it really seasonal and then use that to reflect. So at the moment, I'm using loads of forced rhubarb because it's Mm. it's in from Yorkshire and you've got to utilize that. But then when summer hits and it's mango time, I'm going to be all over it. However, the mango tin is always in my cupboard just in case I need it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> back, back up, mango tin. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've actually never had a, a mango tinned mango before.
0: I just realized. I definitely never have either. Yeah,
2: I feel like I could run down and get one out. But there, so here in the supermarkets, well, especially where I live, we always have like the international section, and it's a 750 gram tin, and it's a pound, and it's oh. like yeah, it's it's called Layla mango pulp, or it's Kissa mango pulp, and it's so good it's a pound sometimes it's one pound 50 but you know and you get all of this mango pulp in there and it's incredible
0: this is like a public service announcement right No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can get them in tesco and in sainsbury's and in like i the can't Indian believe shops. it i never knew about this <gasps> when i was in london oh yeah. my gosh i can't believe i've never seen this it's a game changer
1: yell around to something yeah and so what what do you is there anything you're working on now with your book with what's what's happening in your world
2: with me so much so I've I've written another book and it's actually due in in two weeks so that's like it's crunch time right now yeah (laughs) what is it about it's more it's more full recipes so and it's about my and lots of storytelling around my love of sugar and sort of my life in sugar it's it's sugar focused sounds a, like a
0: <laughs> sounds like a sweet life
2: yeah <laughs> and it's um it's called sugar i love you actually so it's like my <gasps> yeah my way of appreciation to all things sweet
0: i can't wait i can't wait to
1: get my hands on that if you want to check out more about rav and all of her delicious creations you can visit her on instagram at @robney_eats and check out her book the pastry chef's guide Thank
0: you for dropping that spicy mango knowledge and also for opening up this conversation um, on navigating the food space with an open mind, right? A discerning but non judgmental appetite, if you will, um, and an open heart. So, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got you back. Remember, it takes two to mango. <laughs>
0: If you all like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. You can also drop us a question using the link in the show notes. And in the meantime, you can see what we're up to by following us on Instagram at Eats Life and at QKD. Special thanks to the musician who wrote and performed our theme song, Brian Quinn. Hey, that's my brother. You can also follow him on Instagram at BQFunk. Bye! Bye!